Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, reading from verse 22. So good to be in church and so good, good to be able to worship together uh, this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, reading from verse 22. The Bible says this, it's a familiar passage of scripture and it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Isn't it interesting that Jesus needed to pray? You know, if Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? Can I hear an amen? He goes up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. He missed the boat. Uh, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said, said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And then there's this one simple word, it says come. And he said, and Peter got down off the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that we can gather in this place to worship you as the church of Jesus Christ. Father, as we go into your word, we just pray that this word is going to make a difference in our hearts and in our lives. I pray that this word isn't just going to be something intellectual, but it's actually going to change the way we behave, the things that we do pray that this week is going to be different because we've, we've dived into your word today. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak your word and to hear your word. Bind every work of the enemy even today, every distraction. We come against it in Jesus' name. Let there be freedom in the house today, Lord God. Let this word bring fruit for your glory, I pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we've been in a series entitled God's Glorious Church, and over the last few weeks, I've spoken about the power of the local church, the power of gathering together as the people of God. Um, and every time we gather together as the church, we experience um, the presence of God, the power of God. God speaks to us uh, by His Holy Spirit. Hearts are changed. We're encouraged just by the fellowship, just by being together. Something very powerful and dynamic about the church coming together. Uh, Jesus said, it's powerful words, and I know we know the verse, and I know we, we, we repeat it often, uh, but the Bible says really clearly, where two or three are gathered together in my name, 
I am there in the midst of them. What makes the church dynamic, what makes the church special is the presence of God. It's God who says, I'm in the midst of them by his, by his spirit. And, and what I want to do today uh, and in the next part of this series is I want to kind of change the focus. You see, the church needs to be glorious, not only in the building, but the church needs to be glorious outside of the building. Can I hear an amen? The the church needs to be glorious not only on Sundays. The church doesn't stop being the church when we walk out of this building. In fact, the church actually starts to be the church as soon as we walk out of this building. John Bavia says this, Our churches need to be beacons of light, places of refuge, that people come to be encouraged and strengthened on Sunday in order to impact the spheres of influence on Monday. Pastor Danny has written a book um, called Where Does God Go on Monday? It's a great little book. This is what he says. So much of what the church of the 21st century has become is characterized by an event mentality towards our faith. Yet the Jesus we read in the Bible, he was something else, something more. He was interested in people's lives, their, their loves and losses. He wept with them, healed them and ate in their homes. Very little of Jesus' ministry actually occurred within the walls of the church. Most of Jesus' ministry actually occurred outside the walls of the temple. And so during this COVID season, I've been speaking with uh, pastors and leaders and the leaders of our own church. And I said, you know, we have a particular paradigm in the Western world for doing church. We, we have a paradigm that looks a bit like what we're doing here today. Get as many people as you can into a building. And, and, and you know, if we fill the building, then we go to two services like we're doing. And it's all good. Um, and I get the power of that. We've been speaking about the power of just worshiping, worshiping together. I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed worshiping together today. It's just been, been incredible just to be able to gather with the church. I was away last week. We were out... Uh, on, 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 we, we weren't sure what to do. We were going to go on holidays, wasn't sure what to do. We were thinking of going to Victoria for a holiday, but just thought we'd cancel that one. Uh, decided Victor instead uh, might, be, might, be, might be safer. But, but we were there, and I missed church Sunday morning. I can tell you, I just missed gathering together in church, worshipping with you guys, and so good to be able to do that uh, this morning. And, and I get the power of us worshipping together, but what if there's another model? What if there's another way to church to do church? And I've been, I've been speaking with leaders and saying, you know, maybe there's another way for us to do church. What, what, if, what if God is more interested in what church is doing Monday to Saturday instead of what happens on Sunday? What if God is more interested in what's happening outside the church than, than, than what he is inside the church? Did you know the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran? More Iranians have become Christians in the last 20 years than in the previous 13 centuries combined. Iran has the world's fastest growing church despite no buildings and it's mostly led by women. How powerful is that? Did did you know that in China, a a, a nation that is essentially close to the gospel of Jesus Christ, what, what, uh, what people are saying is that by 2030, it will have the largest population of Christians in the world. In, in, in a nation where gatherings like this happen rarely, the, 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 the church is essentially underground and yet it's the, it's the fastest growing church. Yet by 2030, it's going to have the greatest number of Christians in the world. Pastor Joe, are you saying that we shouldn't meet in our buildings anymore? Absolutely not. The Bible says of the early church, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. 
larger gatherings. They broke bread in their homes. They met with the larger gatherings, but they also met in the homes. That's why this week's life group is so important. That's why in this church, Life Christian Center, we don't just do the big gatherings like we do on Sunday morning. That's great. This is one way to do church. But there's the the second aspect of doing church. We gather together in small groups because it's powerful. In a gathering like this, we can't speak to to the preacher. Thank God you can't speak back to me. Thank God. I just can't imagine what you'd say, you know. Uh, but you can't speak back. I don't like what you say. What do you mean by that? But in a small group, you can. In a small group, someone can, can share a word and someone can share a thought. I, in our life group, which is just an amazing life group. Can, amen? Amen. Yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, get, I, I pay them to do that. I paid them this morning to do that. But, you know, one of the things I get in our life group to do, everyone's got to bring a scripture to share with our life group. Why? It's not just me talking. I want to hear from everybody. Someone shares a thought and someone shares a word. And together we're encouraged to be stronger in, in, in the ways of God. And so the verse says this, they, they met in the large groups, but they also met in the smaller groups. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The problem is not the gathering together. The danger is we forget what the mission of the church is. That God is more interested in the broken and the wounded, the hurting and the lost. That Jesus is more interested in what's happening outside than inside. Yes, yes, God is interested in what's happening in your life. And one of the reasons why we gather together is because God wants to minister to you and to me. And there's something, something very powerful about that. I don't know about you, but many times I've walked, in, walked into church and, and just feeling down. And, and somehow through a song or through a word, I've been encouraged. But God is also interested in what's happening in our world. God is more interested in that one sheep that is lost than the 99 that are in the fold. And the church needs to be glorious, not only in the building, not only in the church, but the church needs to be glorious outside of the building as well. And I want, I want that thought to kind of seep into our hearts and into our lives this morning. So to help us understand this principle, we're going to look at our text. We're going to look at our story in our text. It's a familiar story, Jesus walking on water. And I, and I love the story because it's so powerful. And there's so many ways that we could look at this particular story. Jesus had just performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 and um, uh, on the shores of Galilee. And then Jesus tells his disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side. And as they were crossing the lake, uh, suddenly a storm arose. The boat was being tossed by the winds and the waves, and it felt like they were going to die. It was pitch black. It looked like there was no hope for them. They started to get worried. Just remember, these guys were fishermen. They'd been on the shores of Galilee on many occasions, and for them, for them to be worried, it means it must have been a pretty powerful storm. And at the darkest point in the night, Jesus begins to walk to them. Just pause here for a moment, because maybe there's someone here today, and it seems like it's the darkest point in your life. I mean, you're not in a storm, you're not in a boat being tossed by waves, but you're in a storm nevertheless. The waves are tossing around you and you don't know if you're going to make it to the other side. That's you, I want you to rest assured because Jesus is on his way. Because Jesus does his greatest work so often in our lives, in the darkest moments in our lives. It's Jesus who shows up. It's Jesus that guides. It's Jesus that leads us, even in those most darkest hour. Bible says as soon as Jesus went into the boat, the waves subsided and the storm ceased. I tell you, if it's something we need in our lives, it's, we, we need Jesus to be in our boat. 
boat represents a boat, but the, but the boat could easily represent our lives. We need Jesus to be in our lives. We need, we need Jesus to be in our homes. We need Jesus to be in our marriages. We need Jesus to be in our workplace, in our businesses. We need to, Jesus to be in our boat. Because when he's there, he's the one who will guide us through. He's the one who will help us through whatever storm we might be facing in our lives. Well, that's not the part of that I want to focus on in the story. Jesus is passing by. The disciples are scared because they think he's a ghost. So Jesus, I, I, love, I, love, this, Jesus, I love this aspect of the story. Jesus is passing by. He's walking on water. Don't worry, guys. It's just me. <laughs> Don't stress. <laughs> Peter sees Jesus walking on water. And he says, if it's you, tell me to come to you. I love Peter. It just, I just love Peter. Just amazing. You know, he sees an opportunity and he says, well, okay, if it's really you, bid me to come to you. So Jesus says this one powerful word, come. And Peter walks on water. So I want you to imagine the boat as being a metaphor for the church this morning. And the key thought is, the key, key, key thought for the message is we need to get out of the boat. Like, like Peter, we, we, we need to step out of the boat. Like Peter, we could either stay in the safe confines of the boat, or like Peter, we can... We can step out and see God do some great things in our hearts and lives. So let me answer three quick questions relating to the story. The first question is, why get out of the boat? Why get out of the boat? So really important questions. In the story, I can imagine the disciples are sailing on the lake. Jesus just fed the 5,000 bread and fish. Their stomach was filled. Jesus says, go to the other side. They must have thought, is it, does it get any better than this? Maybe this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So Jesus creates a storm, a COVID storm, to remind them of what the mission of the church, of what the mission of a disciple of Jesus Christ actually is. So what is the mission of the church? What, what, why, what, what, is, what is the purpose of the church? One of the things that we do when we discuss with our leaders is, is we talk a lot about why, why is it that the church exists? I love asking church leaders, I say, you know, what, 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 why do you think the church exists? And it's incredible how many different responses we get. Jesus tells the story of a man that was preparing a, a banquet. People that were invited started making excuses why they couldn't go. You know, you got the invitation and, and, uh, and people, well, you know, can't make it, got something more important to do. So the master said this, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. And then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. The mission of the church is really simple. It's to minister to the poor. It's to minister to the crippled, the blind, the lame. It's to point people to Jesus Christ. How many people know that there's more than one way to be poor? How many people know you can have everything in the world and still have nothing? You can, be, you can, you can have so much wealth and, and still have nothing. How many people know you, you can be physically whole but be crippled inside by certain thoughts, by certain issues? They just keep cropping up every single day, crippled on the inside. How many people know you can see with your eyes, but you can be blind? 
I can't see. I can't see how I'm going to get out of this. I can't see a way out of this situation. I don't see any hope for this situation. In fact, you've heard me say many times, that's what depression is. Depression is essentially an inability to see a way through this. It's, a, it's, it's saying this situation is hopeless. Jesus calls us as the church to speak into those situations. See, religion can't change anyone. This church can't change anyone. Our singing, as great as it is, can't change anyone. The preaching can't change anyone. Our leadership can't change anyone. Only Jesus can change the heart of man. Only Jesus can heal our wounds. Only Jesus can give us the power to change. Only Jesus can give us hope. Mission of the church is wrapped up in one verse. It's for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want you to know that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And if you would give your life to Jesus Christ, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you could experience life. That's the gospel message. That's the message. That's the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful message because it can change the heart. A man. I was watching this interview this week and it was a guy and a girl and they were, they were having a go at each other. Uh, she was saying, you know, the problem in the world is men. And he was kind of trying to defend his position. And uh, anyway, anyway, you've seen these kind of interviews, you know, they're kind of going at each other. And I was reflecting on the interview. And I was kind of saying, just kind of taking a step back from the interview. And, you know, she was saying the problem in the world is men, you know, and most women know that anyway. So, yeah. Um, and I was kind of, like I said, I was stepping back and just watching it. And, you know, and I thought, you know what? The problem is not men and the problem is not even women. The, the, the problem is a problem of the heart. That's essentially what the problem in the world, it's, it's a problem of the heart. It's a problem of selfishness. It's a problem of, you know, people wanting to take control and, and, and people wanting to dominate. That's, that's the problem in the world. It's a problem of sin. Well, how do you change the heart of a person? How does a selfish person change into someone that wants to, wants to be a generous and a giving person? How do you change? I tell you, there's only one way to change that, and that's through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only Jesus that can change the heart of man. It, it's, it's only Jesus that can change the stubborn heart of, 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 a, of a person, whether they're male or female. It makes no difference. Only Jesus that can do that. And that's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that when, when, a, when a person gives their life to Jesus Christ, that suddenly they change. There's, what the Bible calls it is it's a metamorphosis. They, they are changed from, from, from one kind of person into a, into a completely different person. They, they're changed from a worm to a butterfly. You know, that's the metamorphosis. From a, from a tadpole to a frog. Uh, Pick whichever one you want there. Uh, but, but you get the picture. There's, there's a transformation in the heart of a human being. That's what makes the gospel so powerful. And the church has been given the mandate to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second question is what stops us from getting out of the boat? Well, you could just imagine the disciples are rowing in the boat, probably singing a song. Anyone want to guess what song they're singing? Row, row, row your boat. That's the one. Feels nice. Who wants to get out of the boat? When things are so nice and comfortable inside of the boat. There are many things that stop us from reaching out to people and speaking about Jesus. Let me just give you a few. It's comfort. It's selfishness. It's apathy. It's, 
It's, I really like this. You know, I, I don't want to change what we do here on a Sunday. This is so nice and so comfortable. It's procrastination. It's a fear of failure. But what, what, what if I speak to someone and, and, and they don't want to hear what I'm saying? It's much easier to stay in the safe confines of the boat than to step out in faith. Peter was there on the edge of the boat and he had to make a decision. Was he going to be like everyone else or was he going to step out and faith and be used by God? And I believe as a church, we need to understand this. And I pray that we would understand this important principle. Thank God for what we do here on a Sunday morning. But the church doesn't stop being the church on Sunday, on Monday. The church needs to also be the church from Monday to Saturday. I believe it's time as a church we begin to reach out and stop making excuses. And we reach out into the community, get out of these walls and step out of our comfort zone, stretch ourselves and allow God to use us in a powerful way. Allow God to, to, to enable us to do things we could never do on our own. Brings us to the third question, which is how do we get out of the boat? How do we step out of our comfort zones? How do, how do we step into everything that God has for us? How do we make a difference in our city, in our nation? Well, first of all, we need to dare to ask. Peter says this. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. The first thing that we need to do if we want to be used by God is we need to dare to ask God. Pray a simple prayer. Lord, use me. Lord, do something with my life. Lord, don't just bless me, but bless me so that I can be a blessing. How, how, does, how, do we, how does it begin? How do, how do we start to be used by God? You know, how, how does it actually happen? I tell you how it happens. We begin to say, God, would you do something with my life? God sees things in us that we cannot see in ourselves. God, God sees things that we can do that, that, that we cannot see in ourselves. Do you think Peter knew that he could walk on water? No, but Jesus could see that he could do it. And as he dared to ask, he said, he said Lord, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. One, one of the greatest prayers that we could pray is, Lord, do something with my life. Lord, use me. I remember, you know, my, when I was in my teens, I started to pray this prayer. Lord, do something with my life. It's just a simple prayer. You've heard me say many times, just a simple prayer. I said, Lord, do something with my life. I don't, I don't care what it is, Lord God. I'll do whatever it is that you want from me. And, and you know, God has enabled me to, to do things that I would never have been able to do in my own strength or in my own mind. And here's the thing, God sees things in you that you cannot see in yourself. God sees you doing things you could, you, that are going to absolutely blow your mind. God has put gifts inside of you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And, and, and He sees you doing things that you could, you could never imagine in your own life and in your own strength. How does it begin? How, how does that kind of a thing begin? It begins by just saying, God, you created me for such a time as this. Lord, use me for your glory, Lord God. So much of our prayer time is focused on us. Why don't we get our eyes off of ourselves and onto God and what He wants to do in our own lives? Instead of, yes, we need to pray for ourselves, but why don't we start shifting the focus off of ourselves and saying, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do for you? Great prayer to pray on a Sunday is God, do, you know, use me, do something in my life. But hey, on a Monday, use me for your glory. Let me be your hands and let me be your feet. Peter walked on water because he dared to ask. Secondly, we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just because Peter had an idea of walking on water or just because Peter asked didn't mean he would walk on water. What enabled Peter to walk on water was the word from Jesus which said, just come. 
Just come. And as a church, we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Revelation says, but the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is presently saying to all the churches. To the one whose heart is open, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And God wants to speak to us. God wants to, to minister. God wants to use us. And it might be as simple as encourage someone, make a phone call, pray for someone. And thirdly, as the Spirit leads, then we need to obey Peter didn't just hear the voice, but he obeyed and stepped out of the boat. And as he did, a miracle happened. He was able to do something he could never do on his own. As we step out in faith, God will use us in ways we could never imagine. And you know, over this COVID season, this thought has become stronger and stronger in my heart. And this idea of the church is not just called to be the church on a Sunday. And, you know, in the Western world, we've kind of bought into this model of, of you know, it's, it's all about what happens here in this building. And this is fantastic and this is great. We're not about to cancel services, okay? I, unless the government tells us we're not cancelling nothing, okay? We're going to do more services. This is powerful and this is important. But this is not all there is to the church. There, there are people outside of these walls. Who are, who, are, who are hurting. There are people outside of these walls who are lost. There, is, there, are, there are people outside of these walls right now that don't have any hope in life. And the answer is not more money and the answer is not a better career and the answer is not, it's none of these things here and some people are chasing those things thinking, well, if I get more of this, then, then, then my problems are going to be solved. The answer is not outside, the answer is inside. The answer is about a heart change. And you know, the church of Jesus Christ is the answer because, because the answer for people's lives above, above everything else is Jesus Christ. The, the, the Bible says this, the Psalm 23, the greatest Psalm of all, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's when we allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of our life. It's like suddenly we, 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 we are satisfied. There's, there's nothing else I need that's gonna make me any happier than I am right now. There's nothing else I need that's going to make me experience any more peace than I experience right now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. It's, he leads me beside a place where I can experience the peace of God. That we can be going through storms and we can be going through whatever it is, but Jesus leads us into a place of peace. And he gives us a joy that we could never understand. There's people all around us that are, that, 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 are, that are crying out for an answer. The answer is Jesus. And that's what makes the church so special because the church has been given the mandate to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church has been given the mandate to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. So often we think, you know, I've got to bring this person to church so the pastor can pray for them. So, so often we think, I've got, got to bring him to church so the pastor can pray for them. Because, you know, the pastor's got magic in his hands. He's got very powerful hands, huh? Not allowed to use them at the moment, COVID restrictions, but, you know. <laughs> Some people think, these, these, hands, these hands are just like your hands. Instead of saying, instead of saying I'm going to bring you so the pastor can pray for them, why don't you pray for them yourself? Why don't you say to the person, hey, listen, 
I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. And I don't have an answer for you, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be praying for you. I don't know about you, but it's nice when someone says to me, Pastor Joe, I'm praying for you. I don't know about you, but that does something for me. I love the Italian congregation. They're beautiful. 70 of them. They were packed in this morning, mate. They're not scared of COVID. They were in this morning, mate, worshipping. I love them. They're beautiful. Average, average age in the Italian congregation is about 85 or something. You know, still going strong. We're doing a funeral this week uh, uh, for someone in the church, 102 years old. 102. Come on. I think it was my preaching that's helped them to just, you know, live for it. It's what it is. Yeah. Unbelievable genes. Uh, 102 years old and just powerful. I love them. You know, whenever I greet them, how are you going? I'm praying for you. Praying for you. I'm praying for you. Every day I pray for you. I say, thank you because I need it badly. <laughs> Lots of it. I need your prayer. It's powerful. Why don't you say to someone, hey, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I believe that God is going to do something in your life. And I've spoken about this before, but I always think back to my own life. Thank God every day that there was a day in my life when I came to know Christ. And I'm in church because my mom and dad opened their heart to Christ many years ago. Dad gave his life to Jesus because there was a man in Italy. You've heard me say this before. He would leave his town on horseback three or four months at a time. Go town to town. Italian, you know, the villages in Italy. Town to town. He'd go in someone's home and people would gather and he'd speak the word. He'd speak about Jesus. Didn't have any Bibles to give out. Just some tracts. My dad said, I got a tract. Who, who had a Bible back then? I had a tract. And he guarded that tract like it was the word of God itself. He was a man, I don't know who he is, but he was a man who could have stayed in the boat. He could have stayed in the safe confines of a boat, happy clappy, let's sing. But he prayed that God would use him and do something with his life. And he felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit to step out of the boat. God used him in a powerful way. I'm forever grateful. I will be eternally grateful. It's interesting that Matthew says, Jesus went through, listen, all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Isn't that what Jesus has called us to do? Isn't that what he's called us to do? This COVID season is a crazy season for the church. We as a church are desperately trying to get things back to normal. Nothing wrong with that. We, we need to gather as the church. Something powerful about this. But make no mistake, the church needs to be glorious, not only in the building, but outside of the building as well. I don't know why we're going through what we are. I love the church. But maybe what God is saying is we have forgotten our purpose, that the mission is not the gathering the primary mission for the church is to heal the sick, bring good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted. Hey, it's God that can help you to forgive. Give hope where there's none, help the blind to see, to declare the year of the Lord's favour. And God wants to do that through you and me. But in order to do that, we need to step out of the boat. What does that look like in practice? It might be 
Just have a coffee with someone. Give, give hope. Encourage someone. A word of wisdom. No, don't do that. That's stupid. Do this instead. It might be speak to someone about Jesus. It might be cry with someone. Pastor Joe, I don't know what to say. I don't have all the answers. Don't need to have all the answers. Don't do, just be. Just be. Be Jesus. Jesus didn't go around and beating people over the head. He just encouraged people. He just went in, he just went into some people's houses and had a meal with them. Just be. Might be help the poor. It might be pray for someone. Maybe the best words we can say, I'll be praying for you. COVID, it's not the first pandemic in the history of the world. And it won't be the last. It's incredible as you, you know, in this season, you study history, you go, hey, wait a minute. Is it, is it, we think we're the first generation that's had a pandemic. Actually, they've been around for quite a while. About 300 AD, Rome, a pagan nation, became a Christian nation under Constantine. Story of that is remarkable because the group of believers at that time had no media. Mm, imagine, no money, no buildings, no clout, yet they turned the world upside down for Christ. Do you know how? As we read what happened, we study history. There were three shocking plagues that happened 150 years before Rome became a Christian nation. The plague, in a weird way, was the triggering of the revival. In the year 165, I read one article said, during the reign of Marcus Aurelius, a devastating epidemic swept through the Roman Empire. During the 15-year duration of the epidemic, a quarter to a third of the population probably died of it. And then a century later, 100 years later, another great plague. And once again, the Greco-Roman world trembled as an all-sides family, friends and neighbours died horribly. And no one knew how to treat the stricken, nor did they try. Typical response was, you got a COVID test and it was positive. Uh, as soon as there were first symptoms, victims often were thrown, listen carefully, they were thrown into the streets where the dead and dying lay in piles. What they would do, you got some symptoms, chuck them out. Don't want to know you, leave. And many would die. Question, how did the Christians respond? How, how did the Christians respond in this environment? Christians responded completely differently. They cared for the sick. They gathered them. They ministered to the dying. And because of their actions, so many people actually recovered. One writer said, what went on during the epidemics was only, listen, an intensification of what went on every day among Christians. They, they didn't stop doing something. They just kept on doing what they were already doing every other week, every other day. And because of their love and their courage, they ushered in an amazing revival. We need to decide as we, are we going to stay in the comfort of the boat? Or are we going to pray? Lord, do something with my life. You're not here by accident. You are here by divine appointment. Your life has meaning and your life has purpose. Uh, St. Augustine said, man is restless until he finds God. There's a restlessness inside of us. And it's only when we find God that we find that restlessness starts to subside because we were created to worship God and we were created to be used by God. I pray that we're going to start to pray, Lord, do something with my life. I pray that we're going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit 
dare to step out of the boat and allow God to do things in our lives that will blow our mind away by His grace and for His glory. Will you stand with me?